Hey, if you'll turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 64. Uh, if you're here in the room, there is Bibles in the seat rack in front of you that look like this one. I'll be reading one just from one just like this. So take that out if you don't have a Bible with you or even on your phone is fine too. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. It's okay if you have to go to the table of contents. <laughs> no judgment here. Love for you all to, to follow along with this. Isaiah 64, verse 8. I am reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what it says, Isaiah 64, 8. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. Let me just pause right there. Sink that in. O Lord, you are our Father. The next line says, and we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. That has been uh, the theme verse uh, for missions here at Calvary, for our REACH ministry uh, over 2021. God, you are our Father. We look to you as the great and glorious Father. God, you are the potter. We are the clay. We are formed by your hand. Use us. And I have the privilege to reintroduce you to people that we all know, their family here, but this is Lloyd and Nancy Peckham. Can we give them a warm family welcome here? Lloyd and Nancy have been surrendered to the Lord for many years. They've served with Wycliffe Bible Translators for 47 years, which is incredible. And They've lived out this passage from Isaiah 64. God, you are Father. Uh, you shape us and form us. You fill us. And then we're poured out. We're sent out in your name for your glory. And so today we're going to spend a few minutes uh, just getting to hear a little bit, revisit their calling, celebrate their 47 years of faithfulness and ministry as they retire this year uh, formally. They'll, they'll never retire spiritually, but formally from their, their post. Um, we're going to hear stories and then and also be challenged and encouraged as well. But before we get into that, can I just have, if you are a Calvary missionary and you are in the room or you're, you're watching online, you can do this too, would you just stand up? We just want to greet you as well. If you are a Calvary missionary that is here in the room, can you just stand up where you're at? That's awesome here in the room, back there. That is wonderful. So, so keep, keep standing for a moment. Keep standing for a moment. Son, I see you. Um, but hey, no, those that are here in the room, would you make a note? Would you make sure that you greet them before they leave as we formally close later on in our service, okay? So make sure that you're connecting with them. So welcome, you guys. Thank you for being here. And thank you for those that are, are online that just stood as well. We have many missionaries that check in online each week. It's the coolest thing about COVID that we've opened up this window to be able to communicate to so many. So, but Lloyd and Nancy, welcome. And uh, why don't you just, well, let me show you some photos first. You guys got to see these. This is a young Lloyd and Nancy. <laughs> is that Daniel, I think, being held in that um, photo right there? They were called to Indonesia initially. So you can kind of see where North America is, brought down to Indonesia. Indonesia has 17,000 islands. Um, and it is the fourth largest by population country in the world. 
They were specifically called to, I'll call it the avocado area uh, of the map right there, um, which is Irian Jima. Irian Jaya. I practiced that all morning. Um, But uh, it's in the eastern um, area, region of Indonesia. Um, There's a hundred or maybe I'd say over 20 languages that are spoken um, in that region. They were specifically called to the Marasi people, which is, again, you can kind of see on that map, the avocado color there to the east. Uh, 3,500 people in that people group, the Marasi. And Lloyd and Nancy took their kids and did life there, translating the Bible, translating their lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And here's just some, this isn't exactly where they were at that time, but you can just see it was just a beautiful, beautiful region. And some people said, why would you bring your three young kids to the jungle? But they had so much fun. <laughs> they had such a blast building forts. Uh, but it goes back far, even farther than that. This is young Lloyd as a kid being prepared for the jungle right there. So God calls us at early ages. And then back to their three kids. This is their life uh, growing up in the jungle. So here is a photo of some Marasi that they got to care for, to point to Jesus, point towards Jesus too. And as, as Lloyd just held up, and I have one here, uh, Lloyd and Nancy were used by the Lord to be part of the team that for these 3,500 people translated the scriptures into their heart language. And I have that right here. (laughs) Praise God that you guys said yes and that the word of God was translated in a way that they could understand. And then here's just a modern photo. They've been blessed with a large family, three boys and now a lot of grandkids. <laughs> and so would you guys go back, go back to that photo of, of young Lloyd and Nancy. Tell, tell us about your original calling and even your calling as a couple too. I was actually in Calvary Church of Santa Ana as a four-year-old 64 years ago. And early on, the teachers very clearly taught us how we had to confess our sins and Jesus would forgive us and we could ask him to come in and cleanse our life and use our life. And I didn't want to do it there in the group, in the beginner's department. I said, I'll do this at home. And I did that night alone. I was kind of quiet guy, and it was a big accomplishment for me when I was seven, sitting with my parents in church, and I was sitting about three or four rows from the front on the right, but not this big building. It was a renovated mansion we called Calvary Church, and it was at Sixth and French. Right now, it's a different church in a different language, but At that time, Ken and Gloria Raddick were speaking one night, and it was actually already a significant night before they started speaking because it was my first time that I could keep up with all the numbers on the hymns to do three-digit numbers and get to the page before we would start singing. (laughs) So I succeeded at it, and I was just really feeling good about that, and Ken and Gloria said, there are thousands of people in this world that don't know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit just very clearly said to me, well, you already know Jesus. 
would you go someplace? And I said, well, sure. So the next day at school, my teacher was asking all the kids in my class at Santiago Elementary School, what are you going to be when you grow up? Oh, there were different things she wrote on the board, doctor, teacher, fireman, policeman. And when it came to me, I said, missionary. She went over to her desk, and he got, she got out her dictionary, and she <laughs> looked it up. And then she wrote it on the board. But I started asking all my teachers for extra homework. And my next-door neighbor could not understand me. We would ride bikes to school together, but he'd just kind of, what? Why are you asking for extra homework? So the calling stuck, and it became defined as I went along. My parents took an opportunity to live in Peru, in South America. I turned 15 in a landslide in the Andes Mountains. Hmm. And then, Nancy, what about you? So you grew up not here at Calvary. Right. But. I'm not a Calvary kid. Um, but um, I grew up in the Midwest and then uh, Northwest Washington. And my dad was a pastor in a Christian Reformed church and real solid Bible teaching and just a godly atmosphere at home. And I'm so grateful for that. And um, I was interested in being missionaries because a missionary because we had uh, missionaries come through our church and even through our home. Um, but what I liked is I thought, I want to be a missionary on furlough <laughs> because then I can go and be welcomed all over and, <laughs> and honored. And furlough is like a, a fancy word for sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but so. I, I went to a nursing school like my older sister did mm. and um, really kind of forgot about being a missionary and um, but thought, well, if I were going to uh, go, I could go as a nurse. Well, then I went to a summer uh, training session in uh, Mexico and heard a lot about Wycliffe. And my heart was just, <clears throat> just touched in that. And um, I thought, what? better thing can I give people than the word of God in their language. And um, so I quit my job, started um, <clears throat> the linguistic training with Lloyd Linguistics and Bible Translation Training, and that's how we met. Wow. The, the Marasi people, thank you <laughs> for their calling. Um, so then you met, you alluded to that. I heard the story, Lloyd, you were in a tree and you looked down and spotted Nancy, or just something to that story? Well, it's true, totally true, yeah. I learned early on to intercede. I did not want Calvary Church to get big, because then I wouldn't know everyone. The saddest night of my life as a little kid was in second grade when we had an all-church meeting saying we were going to get big, and we were going to come here. You know, the... Todd's swimming pool was just over there. And Don Todd had a girl named Sherry my age, and we went over to their house, had lunch, went swimming, and then we heard, oh, the church is going to be built in the, ar in the orange grove here. I thought, no, then we won't know everyone. <laughs> well, as God matured me, he taught me, okay, you won't know everyone well, but you could pray for them. 
and you can influence them through prayer. So I got the list of all the other potential Bible translators that were studying at University of Washington the summer of 74, and I had duty setting breakfast tables at five in the morning. So I'd have a great quiet time at four and go out running and things, and then I would set tables and then I was free. Classes didn't start till nine o'clock. <laughs> so University of Washington's fabulous. It's got so many Douglas firs and it has western red cedars and it has Sitka spruce and it has all kinds of trees. And so, yes, there, uh, got another tree man there. Um, so I would climb a different tree each morning and I brought this tattered list up with me of all the other students at SIL and I would be praying for them. And I'd say, Lord, make me a specific blessing to each one. Well, it's true. Then one day, towards the end of my first summer, I, the Lord had already said, he said, I've got a gift for you if you're ready to receive it. And I said, yeah. And then I heard this beautiful singing. Hmm. You be la oh, you be la alleluia. And the Lord said, notice the little one in the middle. And I did. <laughs> I love it. So one thing that you guys have shared with me in your calling is that, I mean, Lloyd is, talk about being formed for missions and jungle. And yet you wanted a calling that you could share together. It wasn't just Lloyd's calling. It was both your callings. Talk a little bit about how did it become both of your callings in marriage? Well, we were both uh, committed to be Bible translators, and in our minds, in my mind, uh, that meant we would go to an isolated village, well, first training, of course, mm -hmm. um, go to an isolated village and live with the people, learn their language, and translate the Bible for them. And that was Lloyd's vision, too. And so as we went through the training, and we heard about um, Indonesia, and the fact that it had 700 languages. Mm -hmm. And what's more, that what Wycliffe SIL wanted to do there was to train the people to be Bible translators themselves because of so many languages. And so that's the model we really loved when we first heard about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You were talking about being in training too, and Lloyd's Spanish just came to you quickly, but Nancy was having difficult time picking up. Like, we need to go somewhere where I don't, I'm out of my comfort zone too, right? Was that part of it? Exactly. As I was working on a master's in linguistics, you had to have a non-Indo-European language also. And I knew Spanish. I had asked the Lord to teach me Spanish, and I had worked for six years as an interpreter on evangelistic trips. But I had also gotten the privilege with my family two different summers working in the Huasteca Nahuatl language near Tanta Yuca Veracruz in Mexico. And I finished my master's degree with dialect surveys. We actually dialect surveyed in the area where Jim and Juanita Waters later worked. Mm -hmm. But while we were there, I noticed that Nancy was kind of withdrawing 
from the culture stress, from the climate, from everything, and I realized it's partly language. I have a head start in Spanish and in Aztec. So I said, Lord, send us where we can be equally ignorant. That's where we got to Indonesia. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, all right. Anytime we're with uh, Lloyd, we have to ask you some jungle stories. Tell us a good jungle story or two. Well, I would say you might start with shoes because some of us wear them, some of us don't. We didn't wear shoes where I lived in Peru. Uh, we actually didn't wear shoes from the time school started to the time school was over. There was this ridiculous custom, though, at Yarina Kocha of having a banquet at the end of the year, and I thought, what? No one could fit into any shoes that they had ever tried before, so everyone went from house to house seeing if they had a pair of shoes they could wear, because for some reason you had to wear shoes. <laughs> well, then later in Indonesia, I was also a professor, and it wasn't right to go barefoot. So I... Nor for our kids. <laughs> you know, our kids did go barefoot, but... Yes, yeah, so... Not in public. We did realized that I can't get to every village. In fact, the government wouldn't let us go some of the places we wanted to go. But finally, I got permission, and it looked like I was be going to be hiking about nine or 10 days, crossing the island of New Guinea. And yet, I didn't have a pair of shoes that was going to last that journey. So I went to a town. And I looked, and no shoes were my size. I am not considered very tall, except in Indonesia. <laughs> the one pair that was size 43 European that I could fit was Tora Tora brand, and I had never heard of it, and I knew it was locally made, and I knew it was going to fall apart. So I went to a guy on a sidewalk in the market, he was a shoe repairman. And I said, could I buy your shoe sewing needle? And then you could teach me how to use it. He said, well, then what will I do? This is my livelihood. I said, tell you what, I'm going to be gone for a week, and I'll come back. And you can teach me how to repair shoes. So I came back, and there was a crowd of shoe repairmen. And a big crowd gathered all around, because it's not normal that a professor or the teacher at the police academy would show up wanting to do something as lowly as repair shoes. Well, he had this handmade tool actually all ready for me. It is the strut of an umbrella with a little notch in it cut with a hacksaw with plenty of twine around it fitting into a groove there. And he taught me how to use my pocket knife and cut a groove in the bottom of your shoe. So I was learning all these techniques with a growing crowd all around me. 
you cut a groove all around the bottom of the shoe so that the threads aren't vulnerable when you're hiking. And then you just poke it in, you pull it through, poke it in, pull it through, and you tie it together. Well, the first hour of the hike, my shoes fell apart. Oh. <laughs> and my buddy, Eki, one of the Mairasi kids, he said, that looks like fun. Could you teach me how to sew up a shoe? I mean, he didn't need to sew up shoes. He wore these that Adam had. And so Eki loved it. He, every day, he was sewing my shoes back together. But my shoes got smaller and smaller <laughs> and smaller. And so I had black toenails. I had five black toenails. And I was hiking along with these really hurting feet. They were getting infected after eight or nine days of walking. And I thought, God, you're going to have to give me strength. Remember last week we talked about dependence? Yeah. It's been total dependence, everything. Even if God gives you a knack in something, you still rely totally on him. And I found that with five infected toes, I could still run if a whole bunch of wasps were after me. So I ran for a kilometer as all these wasps were after us. And when I sat down after the wasps, I realized I'm extra hungry because for three days we haven't eaten anything. That was because... The people in the village we had last visited believed that the balance of power in the spirit world was going to be upset. We had just brought the gospel of Mark. And so they wouldn't give us any food. And they only gave us a guide who was a foreigner, but he had been raised in their village. And he couldn't hear. And he didn't know the way. Hmm. And we had plenty of adventures, but one of them included going through water that was getting blacker and blacker and increasingly hot. It was a hot spring. It was a swamp that was boiling. And boy, that cooked out the infection probably. Whoa. Well, anyway, <laughs> we got past the swamp and a giant thunderstorm was starting up and we were all really hungry. Because the guy that had the bow and arrow, he couldn't hear the game. He couldn't hear the deer and the wild pigs and things. One of my buddies threw his machete and almost lost it, missed the pig. But So here we were really hungry. We see this storm coming. And so one guy gets his fish spear, jabs it in the water, and we each get a little shrimp, a crawdad. And... No time to start a fire. We just ripped them open and ate them raw. And then we started running because big storm, and we were very vulnerable. Trees were crashing, and we got to our destination. That's one of them. <laughs> Aren't you glad I asked the question right there? That's great. Yeah. And, and that even leads into 47 years, both uh, here, Philippines, uh, here meaning Southern California, Philippines, Indonesia. 
how has God sustained you? How has he provided for you? How has he been faithful? I know that's probably a four-hour conversation, but just give us some highlights. How have you seen God sustain you? Yeah, so we got our dream job, and we lived in an isolated village, although we lived on the ocean, so it wasn't quite as isolated. At least we could go by boat, except that made me seasick and <laughs> dangerous for kids. But yeah. um, it was hard. Life was hard. Hmm. Um, we raised our three kids there from babies on to about uh, junior high, middle school. And um, we felt we had this strong calling to do Bible translation and to be living with the people. And yet, we had to leave at different times because of health reasons and other things like that. And that was discouraging. Being in the States when you want to be in Indonesia, being in the Philippines when you want to be in Indonesia. However, I think one thing we learned was, yes, our calling was to the Mairasi people, but the bigger calling was to follow God and to love him and to love people. So that's what um, took us through all those times, even though we weren't realizing it at first. Another question we had was, we aren't being very, we aren't very profitable. We aren't um, doing all these writings and stuff that we have to do besides the Bible translation, especially when we had health issues. We weren't um, very profitable missionaries at all. And so what is profitable? That's a question mm. to ask. So is it being busy? Is it being strong? Is it being healthy? Is it finishing your job to do? Yes, but we also realized that if we weren't careful, we could really base our identity on that and not on how God was just leading us from place to place and from year to year. Boy, that's gold, isn't it? Wow. Lloyd, how would you answer that same question and even have scripture up there too. Yes, so 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And the it is just like in Romans 8.28 and 29. It's to make us look like Jesus. It's just like in 1 John 3. When we see him, we will look like him. My goal, the revised goal from years of experience, but well along the way was, I want to be a translation, not a translator. I want to be a accurate, beautiful, clear translation of who the invisible, loving God is in any culture that I go to. Well done. That's just a snapshot. So uh, if you aren't aware, they are officially retiring from Wycliffe uh, Bible Translators uh, this year. But the good news is they're not leaving Calvary. They're going to be around Calvary. They're going to be continuing to be involved in ministry. So I would just invite you, and I'm looking at your faces in the room right now, uh, grab coffee with them, 
ask them more questions, jungle stories, but also even ask them to pray for you in that. I think there'd be great mentors, models for us uh, in this next season here at Calvary. We have a couple things, though, we want to give to you. Uh, Grace uh, Townsend Goreth, can you come up uh, now? So this is pretty special. We have uh, Cameron Townsend's daughter. Uh, so Cameron Townsend founded Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, also SIL, as well as some of the uh, partnership companies, including JARS. Grace uh, is his daughter. Grace is also a Calvary missionary field worker now with her husband living in North Carolina. And Grace has come all the way from the Tar Heel State to present something to Lloyd and Nancy right here. So can you hand her uh, the microphone, one of you? There you go. <laughs> I think what a work. such an honor to be here with all of you. You know, Calvary, I'm not sure if you're aware, has a huge legacy with Wycliffe. In fact, back in the 30s, you were one of the first people to support Daddy, Cameron Townsend. And then after that, for many, many years, you were the number one sending and financially supporting Wycliffe Bible translators. So you have a long, wonderful heritage. On behalf of my family and on behalf of Calvary Church, it is my pleasure and honor to present to you the second annual Cameron Townsend Bible Translation Award. And I'd like to I would just like to add a little, um, getting to know Lloyd, he's met my dad, and I tell you, for the tr all the translators that I've had the privilege of getting to know, this is the man who still has daddy's vision for Bible translation, for the accuracy and the importance of how, you know, what would you think if you had to learn Hebrew and Greek to read God's word? <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be that dedicated. But anyway, thank you, Lloyd. I can't wait to get to heaven and see you and Daddy going over all uh, linguistics. It's going to be fun. <laughs> thank you. Well done, Grace. We're going to have you pray in a moment here. But um, we do have a couple more things to give you as well. Uh, one is as part of this uh, translation award, which comes from Calvary Church. So last year, the Pungus in the Philippines received this. As part of this award, we'll be giving... Um, monies towards the translation of your choice in, the, in, the, in, in Indonesia. So excited to be able to do that on behalf of the family here at Calvary Church. And we also asked your sons, what could we give the Peckhams other than a bike that they would appreciate? <laughs> and uh, they said, get them a gift card to an Airbnb. And so we have a gift certificate for you guys to enjoy at Thank your you. leisure with that. And then Grace and I felt like our award was really nice, but then Wycliffe made a really big one. So, uh, so this is actually from Wycliffe, Wycliffe Bible Translators as well, celebrating 47 years of faithful ministry. So we want to present this to you as well. Let's pray. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, I can just see you up there, Lord, smiling down on Lloyd and Nancy for their faithful service, for their deep love for you, getting your word to every language. So, Lord, I just pray for a special anointing as they go into this new season in life. Pray the blood of Jesus to surround them, protect them, 
fill them with your joy as they step out into new realms. And we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege that they've had to serve you and for us to get to know them. And we give them now in the name of Jesus to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Well done. done you guys <laughs> hey as they uh, make their way down I just want to give us a couple of next steps best mission Sunday ever <laughs> uh, one is I just want to encourage you even as Lloyd was leading um, pray uh, every day at 1002 we're asking all of us to set our alarm on our phone somewhere that we'll be reminded of at 1002 a.m. or if you're a night owl 1002 p.m. but uh, take time to pray Luke 102. Uh, the workers are few, the harvest is plentiful. Pray for more workers in the harvest, Jesus' words. So encourage you to continue that or put it back on your phone if it slipped off during daylight savings time. Uh, this would be a great way for us to be engaged in missions. And then out of that, every Friday at 10.02, we send an email from the missions uh, department with ways that you can be praying specifically for our Calvary missionaries. How many of you are on that list? You get that email every Friday, 10.02. That's cool. But many of you aren't. So I encourage you, go to just email reach, reach, R-E-A-C-H, at calvarylife.org. You got that, right? <laughs> reach at calvarylife.org. Say, I want to be on the email. And we'll put you on that to get that every Friday at 10.02. And then we mentioned earlier, but seeking refuge, coming along some Afghan families. Uh, we'll be having our next prayer time on Monday, November 29th. So we'd love for you to be part of that. And then all this is because of your generosity. Because the faithful people at Calvary give. We don't have any all-stars. We don't have one person writing this giant check and the rest of us just kind of do our own thing. No, this is each of us uh, out of just obedience to God, saying, God, above and beyond my normal giving, my tithe, I offer this to you. And so encourage you to be giving towards missions, that second bucket of finances here at Calvary Church. And then where's God calling you? Maybe you've had a calling since you were seven, like Lloyd. Maybe you're receiving a calling even in this moment. We're going to sing a song right now, um, and it, it breathes life to this idea of God send me. God send me. It's a pretty bold song we're about to sing. I invite you uh, to make this your song of surrender here this morning. So let's worship.